I'm Janice Dean. I'm David Asman. I'm Dana Perino, and this is the Fox News Rundown. Tuesday, April 28, 2020. I'm Simon Owen. In coronavirus epidemics around the world, a common thread is emerging. The impact of the outbreak on healthcare workers. When you have people dying left and right and you have little, there's little that you can do to help them, um, it, it takes a toll on you. But um, we just have to be strong, have faith, pray and understand that we, ha- we now have control We can control this virus. We can control the number of deaths. This is the Fox News Rundown Global Pandemic. First today, here are some of the latest developments in the coronavirus crisis. In Paris, Prime Minister Edouard Philippe says it's time for France to emerge from its six-week lockdown. The Prime Minister telling Parliament restrictions imposed across France have saved at least 62,000 lives. But he said keeping those measures in place would mean risking economic collapse. Schools and businesses are set to begin reopening gradually in just under two weeks. France, one of only five countries, counting more than 20,000 coronavirus deaths. In Russia, meanwhile, President Vladimir Putin is extending a nationwide lockdown for another two weeks. Russia has recorded far fewer fatalities than many of the hardest hit countries. But Putin warning, quote, we are nearing a new and perhaps the most intense stage in the fight against the pandemic. The United States has no centralised tally tracking deaths among healthcare workers fighting the coronavirus. The CDC has noted 27 fatalities, but says that's only from preliminary data. And it's not necessarily even a case of simply counting infections. Over the weekend, the family of an ER doctor in New York said she'd taken her own life after recounting the strains of the past few weeks. Well, right now, we've we've come such a long way um, today versus a month ago, as far as especially testing. Fox News medical contributor Dr Jeanette Neshwat, a family and emergency medicine physician. She told us about the impact of the epidemic on healthcare workers, but first gave us her assessment of the outbreak in the US today. That is such a critical component and tool in in the uh, detecting the prevalence and and the penetrance of this virus and and if we can open because remember you have to have good testing capability in place before we can proceed to uh, phase one of reopening the economy Um, so you know you have to have a 14-day decline in the number of cases but how are you going to know if there's a a decline in the number of cases if you can't test them so we've definitely come a long way i actually see the light at the end of the tunnel and i'm very i feel good i'm very confident that we're, we're getting to where we need to be we just have to continue with adherence of the guidelines and that's the only problem that i that i'm feeling is that a lot of people are going to be relaxing like for example social distancing and hand washing and you know sheltering at home and avoiding unnecessary travel if you're in a high-risk group or if you're in a vulnerable group those sorts of things with the question of testing why have rich countries like the united states the uk france others struggled to get up to speed with this well, because we wanted a high-quality test, we wanted a test that had, has what's called high sensitivity, high specificity, and not giving people false positives and false negatives. That was the issue initially. Um, we didn't want to, to give people a false sense of security. Oh, you're, you're negative. You can go out back to work, and then that one person will spread it to another person, and it'll just be an exponential increase in the number of cases. Because remember, this is an extremely um, contagious 
extremely infectious virus, and we wanted to ensure that we had proper tests, accurate tests. Um, there's still only a handful of tests right now that are FDA approved, but there are many, many that are under development and uh, under emergency review by the FDA. But that was the initial reason, is making sure we had good quality tests in place. There's been a lot of talk as well about contact tracing going forward. So when you get a positive test, you then figure out who that person's been in contact with, who they might potentially have infected in the days before their positive test. Does the U.S. have experience of of doing this on any kind of scale for something like a flu outbreak? Yeah, actually, this is something that we do already. It's an amazing program. We're just going to expand it. For example, if someone tests positive for HIV, um, contact tracing is put into place. And that person who's diagnosed with with positive HIV, they are asked, you know, uh, who they have been in contact with. So those people are informed so that we don't continue the spread of this of this uh, disease to others. Many people have it, for example, and are unaware. So contact tracing is not new. We've used it for other diseases in in the past, and it's definitely an important tool to help minimize the spread of this virus. And what, what happens is, person, for example, will get a phone call that they're positive for coronavirus, and then the investigator will ask them, who have you been around the past week or so? And then those, say, for example, 5, 10, 15 people are contacted. We ask them, are you having any symptoms? How are you feeling? This is what you do if you do have symptoms. Please shelter in place for 14 days. Do you have a place to shelter for 14 days? How are you doing mentally and emotionally? What do you need? So the contact tracer will guide them and be with them and check in on them through that 14 days, which is really a phenomenal program, I think. And it's going to allow for more jobs because it it takes an army of people to do this contact tracing. So um, that means thousands of people are going to be hired, which I think is a good thing. Yeah, I bet. Um, I wanted to ask you about the uh, death of Dr. Lorna Breen. Um, She was a senior emergency room physician at a hospital in, in New York. Police say she took her own life at the weekend and her her family has told the New York Times how she had described the sort of almost onslaught of terribly sick patients her hospital was receiving the and the sheer amount of death, I suppose, that doctors are encountering at the moment. And then we're also hearing of, you know, house workers becoming infected with the virus and and dying as well. What do you see as the, the toll that this is taking on healthcare workers in the U.S.? It's it's a challenge. It's a huge toll. It's been very rough, very difficult, especially as a doctor on the front lines myself here in New York City. It wasn't easy. I, I found myself in tears many times. Um, but uh, I just want everyone to know, everyone that's listening, to know you're not alone. Please reach out to your friend, to your neighbor, to, uh, you know, the hospital. Every hospital has a, a department where you can speak to someone. Uh, if you need counseling, if you need therapy, you're not alone. Here in the United States, you can call 1-800-273-TALK, which is a free hotline to offer mental health assistance. Um, but it, it's definitely a challenge. It's important that you have self-awareness and, and practice mindfulness to know, you, you know, we can, you can only take so much. But this is certainly a tragedy, and I pray for this doctor's family. It's, it's sad and it's heartbreaking, and it's not surprising because when you have people dying left and right and you have little, there's little that you can do to help them, um, it, it takes a toll on you. But um, we just have to be strong, have faith, pray and understand that we ha- we now have control. We can control this virus. We can control the number of deaths if people listen to the CDC guidelines, practice social distancing, the hand washing, wear your mask, avoid unnecessary travel, um, and, and stay at home for now if you're at high risk, if you're in the high risk group. But it, it, 
it's terrible when when such a wonderful, smart, intelligent contribution to to society to America is is gone. This doctor who sacrificed and gave so much of herself, it's heartbreaking and. Um, we, we need to learn from it and make sure that uh, we continue to provide mental and emotional support for all healthcare workers. And you don't have to be a healthcare worker for anyone. You've been listening to Dr. Jeanette Neshwat. We'll be right back after a short break. I think it's easy to assume that, that doctors, are nurses and, and others in hospitals and elsewhere are kind of used to uh, death and seeing death around them. But is it a case of yeah. just the scale is just something else at the moment? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I, as an ER doctor and a family medicine doctor myself, I'm I'm used to it. But, um, you know, it, it, especially when it's unexpected, it, it takes a toll on you. For example, I had a patient who came in, his oxygen level was low, um, he couldn't breathe, but, you know, I got him on oxygen, I put in an IV, and he perked up and he looked great. But later that night, he... he, he uh, he went into respiratory distress. He had to get intubated and he didn't make it. And I was really stunned and shocked to find out. And it's just sometimes those cases that you just, it just catches you off guard. But this virus is a wicked, evil virus and we need to do everything in our power together um, to, uh, to, to fight it, to conquer it. We have to be uniform and consistent in our methods of fighting this virus. And I think if we all do that um, together, that, that we, can, we can conquer it. We talk an awful lot about this virus, all sorts of issues about it, around it, whether it's face masks or lockdowns or vaccines. I think it can feel overwhelming sometimes. What is the central message, the one message you would reiterate to people, the one thing we should remember uh, as we go through this? That we are all a resilient, we're a resilient country, we are resilient people, and we have been through so much more difficult in the past, and we will get through this together. We are, have the most advanced medicine and technology in the world. It's a matter of having that willpower and strength to adhere to the guidelines, not only to protect yourself, but to protect your loved ones and those who are um, in high-risk populations, in nursing homes, who are in underserved areas, African-Americans, Hispanic, Latinos, the, those who are poor. So if we work hard together, come together in, in unity, that we, we will get through this. We already are. Um, it's just a matter of being compliant because complacency is what will kill us. If we are compliant and smart, then we can get through this safely. I, I truly believe that. There's all sorts of teams working on vaccines uh, around the world now. There's been reports yeah. of the team in Oxford in England. Now their vaccine, potential vaccine being tested on monkeys. What do you think about the speed with which we seem to be going through this? Is it, is it impressive? Is it as fast as it sounds? Yeah, oh, absolutely. It, it Traditionally, it takes 10 to 15 years to get a vaccine on the market, and it costs millions and millions of dollars because vaccines have to go through phases, and um, you know, phase one, phase two, phase three, safety. Is it working? Is it effective? What's the dose? Um, how is it going to interact in people who are on other medications? So, yes, we're from taking it down from 10 years down to one year, that's extraordinary. Um, but, you know, we've got, we're dealing with an extraordinary disease like no other, um, so one year, that's, that's very fast, but uh, we do have many vaccines that are under development with uh, a handful that are all, already in trial. So in the next year or so, it'll be on the market. And I just hope that people go out and get it once it is available. Do you agree with the assessment that, that the, only really, the only way really out of this situation is an effective mass-produced vaccine? 
I don't think that's the only way. I think that's one tool um, for the for the entire equation. I think a matter of you know taking common sense precautions, having a vaccine. Also, we need medications and therapeutics. There's lots of medications that are under trial right now: remdesivir, um, famotidine. Of course, we saw the trials with hydroxychloroquine. There's so many medicines, and we need to continue to work to study new medicines. Just like for influenza, we have uh, antivirals for influenza. We have great testing supplies for influenza. We need to do the same um, with with this virus. I think a vaccine is going to be great, but that's not the only uh, solution to this to this disease. Dr. Neshwat, thank you for speaking to us. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. I hope you have a wonderful day. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. The Fox News Rundown, a contrast of perspectives you won't hear anywhere else. Your daily dose of news twice a day. Featuring insight from top newsmakers, reporters, and Fox News contributors. Listen and subscribe now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.